are listening to the Elephant in the Room podcast with your host, Sutta Singh. Each week, we will bring you a diverse range of inspiring speakers on issues of inequality and inequity. You will hear stories about fairness, justice, belonging, and about best practice for creating a more inclusive workplace. So, if you are an individual or leader interested in a fairer, equitable, compassionate society and workplace, this podcast is for you. My guest on the Elephant in the Room podcast this week is Shiraz Kulcher, co-founder of People Like Us, an award-winning non-profit. In his day job, Shiraz looks after consumer comps for snapping across EMEA. Hey, Shiraz. Good afternoon. Thank you for being a guest on the Elephant in the Room podcast. Thank you very much for having me, Siddha. What an honor to be here. Brilliant. So let's get started. Give us a quick intro to Shiraz, a bit of your background, perhaps. Absolutely. So I've been in the comms industry for about, God, eight, nine years now. That's the show my age. So I'm a guy that's born and bred in Luton, to a wonderful British Pakistani family. I've got three older brothers who are all my best mates. And yeah, I suppose in my time in comms, I've had a real roller coaster in a fun way in the industry. And yeah, I'm really fortunate now to work at Snap, looking after EMEA Consumer Comms. And I suppose in my spare time, I run an organization called People Like Us, which I'm very proud of. So two things that really, really stand out was you said, oh, I've been in the industry for eight, 10 years. And that sounds like a long time to you when I've been here for 30 years. Um, oh, wow. <laughs> You're like the grandmaster of comms. Yeah. Uh, oh, grandmother yeah. of comms. Uh, <laughs> and, and the second thing that you said about having three older brothers and being best mates with them. How wonderful is that? Yeah, I'm very fortunate, actually. And they all are very different, I think, to each other. So my eldest brother, he, he's a bit like a Del Boy, actually. It's the best way to describe him. Bit of a wheeler dealer, but uh, a wonderful man with a huge heart. And my brother, Doreen, is in comms and actually inspired me to join the polls and my other brother is the most patient and kind person I know and I like to think I have qualities from each of them maybe not all the time but sometimes. <laughs> so uh, you mentioned people like us so what is people like us and why did you see the need to set up something like this? So people like us it's essentially a movement that celebrates and supports journalists and comms professionals from minority ethnic backgrounds. So my brother and I started this about it was two and a half years ago. It was just before COVID, actually. And um, at the time, on paper, everything was great. We both had great jobs, both flying through our careers, and everything was kind of great. But there was this quiet dissatisfaction just growing, just looking at representation in the industries, which was very low. People were being underpaid, unrepresented, and blah, blah, blah. Like, I'm sure all your listeners have heard this all before. And we thought, why don't we try and address this? But my brother and I, I suppose we're particular in some ways, we thought, okay, if we're going to do this, we have to follow two principles. The first is whatever we do needs to bring some kind of meaningful change. Otherwise, it just wasn't really worth it. We're not really here to virtue signal or whatever. Yeah. And second, it just had to be fun. Like if it isn't fun, then what's the point? So we kind of get close to these principles as best as we can. And we came up with a concept, people like us, which essentially... I suppose we do a few things. The first is we host events every quarter to profile brilliant journalists, marketing or comms professionals from Black, Asian, mixed race, minority ethnic backgrounds, and each have a fun but slightly tricky task of essentially talking about a piece of work they're really proud of. So it could be, I don't know, a, a breaking news story they were at, at first or investigative journalism piece 
a PR stunt, or whatever, really. Um, but they had to talk about it in three minutes. We found it keeps things moving along, keeps yeah. things engaged. And a really nice opportunity to show the rest of the industry what we can do. And since then, it's kind of grown from strength to strength off the back of our events. People have hired from the likes of Apple or really top agencies like the Romans have hired folks. People have won new business. But more importantly, I suppose it's a place where people can feel at home and not be worried and kind of be the true selves. This is so interesting. Off the back of COVID, lots of things I think happened in the industry. A lot of positive things happened, including you're setting up people like us. There are lots of initiatives on DEI that have been started. Not all of them have sustained, uh, but I think a lot of good initiatives continue to progress. So that's brilliant to hear what you're trying to do. Does the industry need to prioritize on what needs to be done to progress the equity and inclusion agenda? Because before COVID, before the tragic death of George Floyd and Black Lives Matter, equity and inclusion was still an issue. And if you look at some countries, if you look at the US, the conversations on equity and inclusion have been on for like decades. And even in the UK, actually. Uh, yeah, completely. I think the murder of George Floyd and subsequent movement I mean, it was a generation defining movement that really shook up the workplace and, and even just life all over the world, like particularly in the UK and the US. And it suddenly we saw lots of brands, companies reacting, and particularly our comms industry was quick to jump in, and which on one hand was really good to see. In fact, we did some research actually a, a year on from the murder of George Floyd, what had actually changed. And it did find that the momentum of diversity and inclusion conversations pretty much rely on big tragedies happening like that big event or such as the racism faced by Marcus Rashford, Bukayo Saka, Jaden Sancho, after the Euros penalty shootout. Yeah. So I think, absolutely, I think the industry needs to make sure conversations around inclusion are regular. Otherwise, it doesn't come off as very genuine. And I, I think this is a conversation we've been having in comms for a long time. There's so many brilliant organizations out there that do some amazing work quietly behind the scenes like the Taylor Bennett Foundation or the PRCA. I think the time is now, really. We're now snowballing into a real crisis where people are no longer going to be able to afford their bills or borrowing money from people they know just to get by. And I think cost of energy is just really having a major impact. And already people from minority ethnic backgrounds are disadvantaged and sort of playing catch up. So I think the industry absolutely needs to prioritize these conversations and act quickly rather than just talking about it. Yeah, some action is required. How important is a fair pay for attracting diverse talent? You're talking about the cost of living crisis. You're talking about rising energy bills, how unaffordable a city like London is, which is where PR seems to be sort of concentrated. So if we are to be inclusive and if we are to get in diverse talent, and that's people from Black and ethnic minority communities, also look at social mobility. How important is fair pay? For me, it's paramount. I think we were fortunate to do a study with PR Week last year. We approached them to investigate pay disparities in comms. And I think as a very first step, it's knowing the scale of the problem. So we invited agencies all around the UK to submit their pay gap data and not only for ethnicity, but also for gender. And where we are right now, it's really difficult to improve from there. And it, you absolutely need to be held accountable and you can see growth year on year. And I think it's only fair 
I suppose from an ethics point of view, there's that argument. And I think it's only fair for people applying for different roles. So actually, is there a pay gap in this organization? I think they deserve to know. And yeah, I mean, diverse talent deserve to be paid as good as anybody else. And I suppose the challenge we have time and time again is leadership roles. That seems to be a big blocker and why many people, in fact, leave the industry altogether. It seems to be a progressional glass ceiling. Um, people aren't being paid where they should be or progressing as quickly as they should be. So it's fair pay for me is the most important thing to addressing inequity in the industry. Yeah, it would probably help to attract more talent if they're able to pay their rent and not think about the cost of living as much as everyone's having to do at this point. What, according to you, are the biggest challenges facing the PR and comms industry? I think I've touched on a couple of them. I think the transparency around pay is a big one. And I think it's one where we're proud to address somewhat with PR Week last year and this year. So I think that is a big one, particularly from a minority point in comms point of view. Leadership, again, it, it can be quite painful, actually. I think a lot of people, when they're not progressing to director, board, or managing director levels, agencies, or in-house, it's becoming quite a problem. I feel that it's quite hard to become what you can't see. I think I was very fortunate and I have my brother, Doreen, who is somebody I look up to, is my hero. You see him flying through the ranks at LinkedIn, and he does a wonderful job. He's so well-respected. I think unless more people start seeing that, it's quite hard to keep motivated. If you think, oh, actually, like, I don't look like the leadership team here. I don't look like my senior directors or VPs. Could that be me one day? And I think based on lived experience and a lot of people I've spoken to, it is, it's quite hard. And you think, oh, actually, like, what am I doing this for? Like, is there any so far I can go? So I think those two are some major challenges the comms industry is facing. There are so many challenges. Uh, we can yeah. talk all day about the energy crisis or climate change or whatever. I think from an inclusivity point of view, that is a real sticking point. And I'm really hoping, and you know, I, and I do believe comms is moving along. And we are seeing and hearing about lots of improvements, which is great. Those are big challenges we're facing right now. So representation is a big issue in the industry. And if you look at representation, not just in the PR comms industry, across businesses and in public sector, et cetera. It's a big issue, right? And comms, you know, we are expecting comms to be in the boardroom and to be advising the C-suite and to be advising on how to engage with stakeholders. But all that advice is coming from a very homogenous group of people. I absolutely agree. I think that's the major challenging comms, all the best Brands and agencies are based in Soho or East London, which are the most diverse parts of London. And the representation is like non-existent. And if we are communicating to the wider public, it's our roles as comms professionals to make sure we are representative of our wonderful and diverse country. At the moment, like perhaps that doesn't always come through because of representation, as you say, like in the, the leadership levels or agencies. Or whatever. You know, I often think people always say like a good test of a good PR campaign is talking to your friend at the pub who's not in comms about an idea and will they find it funny or will they get it? And yeah. often when I see campaigns, the answer is probably not. And that's a test I'm trying to build. And certainly I don't always get it right. If I took this to my friends in Luton who are not remotely in comms or media industry or whatever, do they know what the hell I'm talking about? And I think it's like making sure that like, yeah, the boardroom and the agencies and the voices are being heard from, from diverse backgrounds. Otherwise, we absolutely risk falling increasingly out of touch. True. 
So we've touched already on that there has been some progress in the past two years, but has there been sufficient progress in that sense? In the time that we've had, it's been, what, more than two years now since the time that we've started talking about it as an industry. There seems to be a lot of talk happening and not enough action. And I think there are people outside of agencies who are doing great work, like maybe what people like us is trying to do or Taylor Bennett Foundation is trying to do. But the industry, other than talking at different platforms, doesn't seem to have progressed much. And I think we'll see the census soon, the PRCA census soon, and that should show actual numbers. Yeah, I mean, I do feel like anecdotally, obviously, without seeing the census, that there has been improvement. I think looking around, people are more conscious about creating a more inclusive environment and supporting staff from, from diverse backgrounds. And I think a lot has changed in two years. I think it's great people are having these conversations. And I think in time, it will become the norm to just take action, really, to actually have a real hard look at boardroom or the leadership team or pay gaps in an organization and actually make choices there rather than just talking about it as a, as a primary thing. That time is now, really. I think the only way we're really going to make comms inclusive and representative of our incredible country is to make sure that communicators are, are like from a breadth of backgrounds. And people know like there's so many good reasons to do it, obviously, outside of the, the ethical reason of like one having fair opportunities. It's actually great for business, great for innovation, and it's great for like team morale and everything else. I would say anyone listening to this actually, like, why is inclusive G useful? Essentially, it's like having brand new people in the room who have lived experience that you don't have and have insights that are incredible and lived. And it's like using those. And I think that's what makes a, a wonderful team really. It's our differences that make us stronger. So I do think like it's probably quite easy to say, actually not much has changed, but I do feel like things are happening yeah, in the background. Yeah. PRCA did some really cool stuff. I think PR Week have been really, really strong and really forward thinking. So yeah, I, I've got faith. You've got faith. You're an optimist. Yeah, I believe that. But I think some people are doing good stuff, not everyone. But yeah, that's how progress happens. I think sooner or later, others will look at them and then they'll be forced to move and take action. What is the role of communications practitioners in building a more inclusive business and society? So the reason why I'm asking this question is, again, in the past two years, if you see a lot of comms professionals, they speak about diversity and inclusion. I do, but I became a, what do you say, practitioner maybe three, four years back. And I talk about it. There are lots of others who talk about it. But it's not necessarily the job of the comms professional to do DEI, right? They need an understanding. But there are lots of rooms and conversations that I've seen where practitioners feel compelled to know everything. Is it their role to do this? It's a really good question. And it's something I get asked as well quite often. Because I suppose my day job, I take a lot of pride in being a comms professional that really enjoys media relations or working with influencers or standing up events or like all facets of comms really. And is it our role to be able to like bring DNI in? I mean, for me, I suppose it's a personal thing. I think it's hugely important to have that lens on. I feel like that should be considered in all facets of, of your role. And I think that's starting to really shine through, particularly in the way lots of agencies are handling campaigns now. They're thinking about these things from the very beginning, from the very start. It's actually, who's in the room for a brainstorm? Is it people from... Like if we're doing a brainstorm about, I don't know, Ramadan or Eid, 
Like, do we have some Muslim folks in the room? Do we have people from different backgrounds to get their opinion and get their take? And right through the entire journey, people are really starting to think about, actually, from suppliers, which photographers are we working with? Which models are we using? Who's on the sell-in team? Who is it on the brand side that we consult? And I think it's great. And I think that's how all campaigns should be. I think that PR has evolved now into like being more thoughtful and mindful. And as we say, that's what makes it beautiful and that's what makes it more representative. And it's going to resonate more with different audiences. If we're doing an Eid campaign and that was worked on by the staff from Muslim backgrounds or whatever, have that experience, they'll be able to know actually these are the nuances for Eid or whatever we're working on. And I think that's great. And I think people are starting to include that more, which is really, really positive to see. Yeah. It's something that lends, that extra lens that is required and necessary in today's world. So it's a bonus, definitely. On the progress, on the equity inclusion part, do you have examples of companies or agencies who are really doing it well? I think a good recent example is LinkedIn supporting the women's zeros. So they've been long-term supporters. They were big sponsors across the ground, the, the teams, and they kind of quietly just kind of gone with it. And and obviously it's, the, the Lioness has got to the final and they won it. And it was, it was just stunning. I remember afterwards, there were a couple of interviews where in a nutshell, the likes of like Ian Wright and a couple of other commentators said, well, if you're a corporate or a brand or a company that's here now, like after they've won their first major championship since 1966, you're too late to the party. Um, yeah. Yeah. Which I thought was really, really fascinating because I thought, obviously LinkedIn isn't the only brand to have worked with the England football team, but but I thought, wow, like, you know what I mean? Having that, they really firmly believe that actually women's soccer is amazing and there's so many amazing role models there. It's a great career and really championed them. And I thought it was just a really beautiful thing. And it, it's not like they flaunted it. All the other brands actually that have been on there for the journey haven't flaunted mm-hmm. it. The way it all unraveled was just really, really touching. And it shows that actually like being inclusive and being open is it's a wonderful thing. Yeah, it's a, such a beautiful example because it shows that they had the vision and they wanted to help re- bring real change. So it wasn't about, you know, what mileage am I going to get in terms of PR? Because nobody knew until they won the Euros that they were going to win it, right? Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And I think consistency is also important so rather than reacting for something amazing or something really awful to happen. I think... Mm-hmm. Standing by your values and your beliefs, it truly, truly goes a long way. Yeah. And so we're here to the last question. So what motivates you to do what you do every day? Shiraz comes as a profession. I think it's quite hectic, busy, and you still make time to run people like us. And yeah, you'll do quite a bit of stuff. It's not as if it's like once a year or something like that. You live it every day, probably. Yeah, I mean, it's a lot of work. I think working with an incredible company like Snap, it's a busy day job. And working across EMEA, it's always lots of fun, weird and wonderful challenges. And it's a really enjoyable. And often, I think for most people, a full-on in-house role when you're working across so many regions. I think with people like us, it's something really important to me. I think it means everything to me that people should feel like they should belong. People feel like they're being paid fairly and respected. It means the world. I think past two and a half years doing this, like reviewing CVs pretty much every day or two and hearing people's stories. It, it is special because people let you in on you know, what's happening with them and what's happening on their lives. That's something always like very special and to me. It drives me. It's just connecting with people in a 
in a meaningful way. And, and yeah, like having a really small part in helping them feel like they can succeed and they can work at incredible companies and, and they can belong because everyone yeah. deserves to feel hope and everyone deserves to belong. Wow. That's so inspiring and so good to hear. Yeah, because you can see from the success of people like us that it is responding to a gap in the market. And so it's really great work that you're doing by, you know, by working to create that platform for people, for diverse people too, you know, and also showcase role models. I think that's that's really amazing. So thank you very much for being here today. Thank uh, you, Siddharth. I really, really enjoyed speaking to you. Thank you for joining us this week on the Elephant in the Room podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the show on any of your favorite platforms, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts. And if you enjoyed listening to the podcast today, don't forget to write a review and tell your friends. Sign up on the link in the show notes to receive updates on our guest speakers, blogs, and events. And don't forget to tune in every Thursday for new episodes.